Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the podcast production company that's making the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts and a sixth event podcast, but we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbdumbdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows and vote on the way their stories will progress. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for listening. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Syrup. A Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude! Ah, ah, ah! This week, we conclude our mini-series, Blood and Serb, the untold messy successes, and we are happy to announce that our regular Chronicle will resume next week. But now, we head down south, where Detective Everett Fry is tracking a killer. One final case before he becomes the very thing he's hunting. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. So long before he arrived in the cold foreign climate of Montreal, Everett Fry was a cop. Uh, And there are many cases in a cop's career Uh, Some of them are memorable, uh, some of them are regrettable, um, but usually there's only one or two in a lifetime that really leave a mark as the case, uh, the time. Um, Your old partner Harvey Grimm used to talk about uh, what case that was for him, and it's part of the reason he he took the early retirement package when it was offered. Um, And for you, Everett, that one case, the case that you thought would really be kind of when people told the tale of Everett Fry, the thing they would talk about most was a string of seemingly unrelated murders that you'd been tracking um, across Texas, um, but that you noticed seemed to be uh, somewhat centered around Houston. And the weird thing was there was uh, the the details of all the crimes were different. The victim profiles were all different, but... The common factor was there was a hell of a lot of blood. And something about that just didn't sit right with you each and every time it happened. And each and every time it seemingly went away. Hmm. Um, A lot of these crimes went unsolved. And it was the kind of thing that um, just whenever you could, you'd pick away at. Um, And even though at times you felt kind of like you were going mad, 
because no one else seemed to be willing to investigate this thing that you were really uh, circling. Um, for you, you're just you were certain there was something bigger behind all of this, and unfortunately, that's what got you into trouble. So we open um, on a particularly strange string of murders um, that the department's been tracking for a while, but that you've been assigned. Uh, in extraordinary circumstance, uh, your new partner has not yet arrived. Um, he's coming down from somewhere up north. Uh, you don't know much about him. Um, but unfortunately, justice waits for no man. Um, <laughs> and so you have been put on the case of Samuel Darlington, a.k.a. Yosemite the Stash Sam. Um Darlington is a known psychopath who has managed to evade the law on multiple occasions. Um, but his MO is tricking uh, tourists into believing that he runs essentially like a dude ranch. Um, he shows up in the full 10-gallon hat, giant mustache, spurs, boots, leathers, the whole shebang on a horse, uh, and convinces Yankees to come see the authentic Texas experience. Um, of course, shortly thereafter, those hapless tourists end up dead in increasingly bloody ways. Um, he's a known serial killer, but because of the ridiculousness of his disguise, he's often able to just disappear. No one knows what he, like... Sorry, Tom. No one... It's it's uh, it's coming through real bad right now. Sorry. Hmm. Okay, it looks like you're back now that you're now that I've interrupted you. I'm sorry. Cool. Uh, when did you lose me? Um, tourists ending up dead. Cool. So tourists have been um, showing up dead, drained of blood, um, and uh, increasingly gruesome encounters. The problem is, uh, no one knows for certain what Samuelton Samuel Darlington looks like now. Uh, at best, they have some photos of him kind of circa when he was in high school, but he's in his 50s now, and there aren't any known pictures of him other than what one or two lone survivors have described, which literally sounds like the cartoon character Yosemite Sam, if he okay. was six foot something tall. Um, so it's clear he's wearing a disguise. It's clear that when he murders, he wears the disguise, but unfortunately it means that no one has any leads um, on this man. No one except for you. So, um, you've managed to track uh, Samuel Darlington through a number of kind of um, under-the-table deals with some less than entirely respectable criminal informants uh, to a large, large ranch um, that's just kind of out in the country, massive estate, um, and unfortunately very difficult to approach. So, where we begin tonight... Um, you are in your battered car, uh, having again ignored uh, conventional wisdom to inform the rest of the department where you were going or to wait for backup, realizing that this might be your only chance to get him because currently there no one knows. You've always been worried there might be a leak within the department. Right, yeah, um, corruption so, of some kind, yeah. Yeah, um, or even just loose lips. People have social mm. media accounts. There's all sorts of shit you don't really buy into, but um, the risk, the flight risk is right, huge. Right, okay. okay. So um, you're standing outside uh, this ranch. Uh, what do you think you've brought with you on this mission? Um, what time is it? 
Uh, it's uh, late afternoon, early evening. The sun is is still up, but uh, low in the sky. Okay. I think in my car, I probably have like a case working kit. So I've got a notepad, I've got a flashlight, I've got some baggies, I've got some gloves, that kind of thing. Um, in addition to that, I'll have my service pistol with me as well. Um, and uh, because, because this is kind of off the book investigating, um, do, this guy's been in the wind for a long, long time. Yeah, basically, um, the intel you've received is that someone using a clearly fake name rented a massive uh, sort of uh, ranch and its accoutrements um, for an event. Uh, Based on the pathology you've been studying, this definitely seems like a um, a stash uh, murder site. So your concern is if he gets word, he could just abandon this. Mm-hmm. Um, but this might be your only chance to either catch him in the act or to collect evidence on him from a site that he's clearly about to operate out of. But if you think about it in kind of Dexter terms, it's like you're aware that this is likely going to be a kill site. You haven't been able to track him. You don't know if he if he's already there, if there are victims there, or if he's going to get victims. But what you do know is the, the estate has been rented for one night. So whatever he's going to do, he's it's okay. going down today. In that case, I will bring a crowbar as well okay. for a little breaking and entering if I need to. And I will have just have to hope that it doesn't come up in the investigation. And if it does, that I have powerful enough friends on the force mm-hmm. in the right places to help me out. So, yeah, cool. I'm going to bring some and break-in tools. Forgive me, just for visual sake, are you a 9mm guy or are you a revolver guy? Uh, I believe it's a it's a nine millimeter, yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh man, we probably talked about this. Oh, Tom, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it, it it might actually be a revolver. In my head, it's been a revolver the whole time. Yeah, because I've always kind of imagined you as a 1940s noir detective. Yeah, yeah. We'll say revolver. I think it actually is a revolver. Okay, so how about this? Um, your service pistol is a nine millimeter. Oh, and but I have a personal your, weapon. Your personal revolver. weapon, yeah, yeah. So we're covered um, for the episodes that we've forgotten about where I do absolutely. fire my gun. Because yeah. uh, I've always imagined you, Everett, is a bit more of a like a classic weapon guy. And I mean, as two Metal Gear Solid nerds, I've never <laughs> forgotten uh, at that point just Ocelot being like. Oh, I'm using my nine millimeter. Oh no, it jammed. And then um, Snake being like, "You need a revolver." That's right. You get six shots. It can't jam. You tend to twist your elbow to absorb the impact. That's more of a revolver technique. And then, then you just start juggling, as all gun gunsmiths do. It's right? the natural progression. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, but in any case, so you've got uh, you've got both weapons. Um, using your revolver in this instance would be real, real problem. Oh, I mean. Maybe not that problematic if you're in a state that believes in gun laws a bit more. <laughs> Nevertheless, as a cop, like you have a service weapon, that's the one you're supposed to use. But I think you've always trusted your revolver a bit more. Um, so, um, with Harvey's voice in the back of your head, like tisking for for coming alone, um, you observe uh, the ranch. So, Tyler, can you please go ahead and roll me? 
a let's say um I don't know, like an intelligence or a composure with uh, investigation, please. Are you looking for that investigation? I am, yes. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight is my total die count. Um, and one of those will be hunger. Yeah, consider a, your uh, hunger at one, but it's more like a okay. thirst for justice. Okay, so these ones will all be fine. Two, four, six, and then I'll roll two more, one of those being a uh, hunger die. Sure. <coughs> oh, boy. Uh, oh, actually, zeros are good because they're tens on this. <laughs> that is correct. Okay. Love them zeros. Uh, actually, this is a bad roll. Uh, so that's two fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, one critical success. Um, one regular success. A, f a four is a failure. A five is a success. Uh, is a failure. Failure. Okay. Six to ten is good. So that's bad. I'll roll two more. And the black one's going to be hunger die. That is a failure on uh, a critical fail on the hunger die. So that's three ones. One of them being a hunger die, and the other one's a fail too. Oh my god! Out of eight dice, two of them were above five. All right, so with your feral failure. Um, so, uh, Everett, you, you spend a long time staring at this place, and the thing they never, like, really depict properly in any cop show is how boring it can be. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you're pretty sure that the stash isn't responsible for all of the murders that you've been tracking, but he's definitely connected. And this is the first time you've had a solid enough lead. You've had so many dead ends that eventually, despite not having cased the joint long enough, you slip over the fence and make your way up towards the uh, the ranch house. You've got your, your kind of like go bag over your shoulder. Um, you've got both your pistols. You've got your crowbar kind of up your sleeve uh, and you make your way quickly uh, up towards the, the, the ranch. So where would you like to begin your investigation? Um, you can see there's sort of stables around the side. There's the massive mansion itself. Um, those are kind of your two major... I guess I'll start with the stables um, because I imagine... I imagine the mansion to be more ins insulated, Absolutely, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if I'm farting around in the bushes outside the mansion, someone from the stables might hear me or something like that. Mm -hmm. So... Clear the stables first is what cool. I like to do. Um, so you make your way to the stables and you can see that there are um, uh, sort of it, the stables are fairly large. There's only three horses in it uh, right now. Um, two of them have been no, sorry. Three of them have been uh, all three have uh, look like they've been kind of recently saddled up. Um, they're clearly very well kept. Um, that said, there's a, a sort of a stench in the air um, of, um, like, you, I think, have been on, on enough cases that it definitely smells like uh, a corpse. Oh, okay. Um, I will enter the stables then, and I want to take out my flashlight. Cool. Um, so you enter, and your uh, light kind of reflects off the uh, sort of, like, obsidian eyes of the horses that kind of stare you down. Um, as you make your way in um, at the back, you can see there's kind of a bunch of hay that's been sort of piled 
Um, and even from here, you can see red soaking through it. Um, as you move in, uh, you can see a corpse that fits the, the MO that you've, you've encountered time and time again. Throat ripped open, drained of blood. Um, looks to be sort of a classic tourist getup. So like comfortable airplane khakis, like a backpack. Hmm. Um, uh, and as you look around, you can actually see there's some discarded luggage nearby as well. Uh, but the luggage is far too much for one person. Oh, no. All right, let's let's try that again. Oh, no. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there he is. All right. Um, Dutch! Yeah, exactly. You're so all right, two words. boy. Yeah. Come on! Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I don't want to touch him. Mm-hmm. Crime scene now. This is officially a crime scene. Mm-hmm. I should call it in, but yes. I think we'll take that bestial failure into consideration here and be like, no, I got to see this through. <laughs> and so I'm yep. making it up my way up to the mansion. Cool. So um, you make your way up to the mansion. Um, you can see that uh, as you, you approach, uh, you can hear there's like, um, it seems to be uh, almost like a, a cartoonishly bad Wild West soundtrack. Uh, warbling off a record player so it's the full like like it, it sounds like the underscore of a looney tunes cartoon okay um off a, a warped record kind of in a large sitting room you can see that this place is essentially like think like a, a ranch you could rent if you were very rich and liked airbnb a lot um so it's very well appointed it's very fancy um and um it, you can see the this record player is kind of playing in a, a large sitting room. Um, you can see that uh, there there seems the sort of like as you're looking in the window, you can see that um, there seems to have been a, a some kind of altercation. Um, a couple of the chairs have been knocked over. Uh, one of the tables is broken, like the the sort of glass uh, coffee table in the middle is is broken. Um, otherwise, the place looks immaculate. Sorry, the 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 coffee table is broken. Yes, like a, yeah. glass coffee. Like okay. someone went through it, kind of okay. uh, broken. Um, but looking around, uh, otherwise the place looks immaculate. Like the kitchen, all the lights are on. Um, but like it, it literally looks like I, I think to your sort of trained eye, people came in, went to this room, something went down, and then went on to whatever the next thing was. Uh, it doesn't look like people have been living here or staying here for very long. Hello again, children of the night. Sometimes the darkness gets too dark and affects the mortal technology. Such was the case during our recording, which meant we had to stop for the night and pick up some time later. Please, enjoy the rest of the adventure after this brief commercial message. Ah, 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 Patreon. How you doing? It's Sheriff Marty. As you can tell... We're barely keeping the fucking lights on around this place, which is why I gotta ask for your help for New Haven. So here's the deal. The way you can support all of us down in this town, make sure things don't become some kind of fucking bullshit mess. Well, you go to patreon.com slash dice and you support that production company. Yeah, they offer free things like you could be on some kind of fucking Discord where you can all message back and forth or whatever. I gotta have more iced tea. Uh, then uh, you can you can uh, 
get ad-free feeds where you don't have to hear me fucking tell you to do this, huh? And then, uh, you can, you can add names that show up as weird businesses and shit in town, or you can get special thanks in episodes, or even, oh, please, dear God, just send more help. You can build your own NPC that gets built into the world. You can just make things better. So, patreon.com slash dice. Go make some donations for the sake of this fucking town. Hey, friends. It's Ryan, but like regular Ryan, as himself, talking about dum-dums and dice. Yes, I'm one of the people behind this show. Obviously, you're listening to the show. You're loving this show. Somebody's doing great. Probably, probably not me, but like Tom. He does really good work. Tyler does really good work. Uh, third person also does really good work. I don't know what show this is on. But the important thing is that you can support the show and join the show at patreon.com slash dice. That's right. That address that I totally just said. Go there. Join Dum Dums and Dice. Support the show. It's going to be great. Everett, um, having heard the, the sort of warbling, weirdly caricature-y um, Old West music uh, coming off what seems to be a record player, if you're not entirely mistaken, uh, from inside the ranch, um, you make your way up uh, to the door. So... Um, as a detective, you've seen some, some bad shit in your day, um, but you're still haunted by what you saw in the, um, in the stables. Um, there's something about these sorts of crimes and you've been watching these crimes for a while, but something about these, these kind of real vicious, um, bloodletting crimes that has, has haunted you in a way that, that few other crimes have. Um, and even though this is just one piece of a larger puzzle, for the first time, you're feeling real momentum on it. So it's with a sense of apprehension, but also to some extent excitement, I think, um, that you approach the door. How would you um, enter? Do you think you're like a boot the door in kind of guy? Is it a test the test the knob? What's what's the kind of... It would be a, a stealthy entrance as best as possible, yeah. Okay. Um, um, so if you please could go ahead and roll me a... Um, Let's go with, I guess, a streetwise. Oh, no, there is stealth. Straight up stealth. Okay, so let's go with um, stealth, and I think I'll say um, dexterity on this one so that it really is like a can you turn the knob as quietly as you hope, feeling for the lock pins, all that sort of shit. Yeah. And just to reconfirm, I believe I have one hunger die, right? That is correct. Which in this case is like a a stress die. Yeah. A stress die, yeah. Okay, um, that is one success, uh, and also a, oh, sorry, two successes. I forgot that mm. zero is a 10 on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so one critical success and one regular success. Oh, fantastic. Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> um, you go to test the, the doorknob, um, and you're, you're happy to see that uh, it turns cleanly. There's no sound. There's no scraping. Uh, and more importantly, there's no lock um, that's been engaged. Uh, you can tell that, um, again, since this is a rental place, um, almost in like an Airbnb sense, um, the odds of this being just a very well-kept, barely lived-in place are pretty high. So luckily... Mm-hmm. There's none of the wear and tear on a door like this that would make noise. Um, and also, clearly, um, the stash was not thinking uh, that he'd have any visitors uh, this evening. So um, the door opens soundlessly um, to your immense relief, and you make your way in. 
Um, immediately, you can you kind of get that um, that sense whenever you enter somewhere that's that's truly abandoned. Uh, that uh, there's no one on this floor. Like you can <laughs> that you can tell. Like there's just it's there's dead silence aside from the record. But you get that feeling where you kind of walk in and you know you don't hear like clattering in the kitchen or yeah, bustle. Yeah. There's no hustle and or bustle. I, um, I like that. Uh... I like that description of a guy who's running a game being like, I can't have my players checking every fucking room. Just like, you get the sense that the first floor is clear. (laughs) Yep. I mean, you're welcome to explore, but there are no secret areas on this floor. Um, I will say there are things uh, you can and perhaps should investigate on this floor. But um, in terms of what you assume the situation to be, you're guessing that um, there's one potential victim and the stash himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, looking around, um, just kind of from the entry hallway, um, you can see, again, that in the living room, there do seem to be um, three glasses uh, that have been set out. Uh, you can see a mostly empty bottle of tequila, um, some limes, uh, some salt, um, and uh, around it, um, some very uh, fancy kind of beer steins. Wow, okay. Um, uh, one I... of which is mostly untouched, I should say. There's a lot of beer in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I want to go check out the uh, source of this uh, Western music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you make your way into this sort of well-lit large room. I, what I'm thinking of, Tyler, and it, like I'm sure there's a parallel that we'll be able to find collectively from pop culture. Um, if you've seen, Have you seen Game Night? This is a weird poll, but bear yeah, with me. Yeah, I love Game Night. Okay. That turned out yeah, to be yeah. a really good It's movie. a fantastic film. Yeah, much yeah. better than expected. I was yeah. very much expecting to hate it, and I fell in love with it. Um, but, uh, okay, so Jeremy Renner's... Um, uh, is it Renner? It's Renner who plays the shitty tag? brother, right? Who plays the shitty older oh, brother? The, the, the dad from... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Friday Night Lights. Yeah, 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 Coach. Um, so Coach has, like, a big living room with, like, a, a beautiful big square table in the middle. One of those, like, massive fucking couches that can seat, like, 14 yeah, yeah. people. Um, there's kind of, like, one of those fancy fireplaces. It's that kind of space. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, those of you uh, listening and watching... Um, <clears throat> Uh, Breaking Bad, it's like the the fancy rich people who fucked Walt out of his his cut of the business. It's their living room. It's just one of those like massive, massive, we're here to entertain. If you were renting this for an Airbnb, it'd be you and 21 of your friends. You'd say there's only 14, so you could get a discount. You'd invariably get drunk and trash the place kind of room. Mm-hmm. Um, big bay windows that you you looked in before. Um, but yes. So, so that's a fairly modern looking home. It's a very modern, yes. It's... Okay. Um, what I kind of meant by like modern dude ranch is it's uh, it is honestly in terms of the stashes mo the perfect place to lure people like this because this is what they're expecting. Got it. It's okay. people who are like I want the I want the camping experience but I don't want to rough it. Like my my friend's aunt has glamping. a place like this that was just like yeah glamping. There's literally like a four story mansion in the middle of cottage country on a lake and it's a cottage but it's <laughs> nicer than my childhood home. <laughs> Like it's that kind of thing. So come, okay. come to the it's city slickers. Come to the ranch. You can look outside and be like, horses live out there, and then proceed to just you know use a fully stainless steel kitchen to make your food. <laughs> um, so yeah, so very modern, very very plush. 
Um, the record player is extraordinarily expensive. Uh, as a man who I, I assume, and I'm assuming this from modern times, but correct me if I'm wrong. I assume Everett's kind of a, like, where actually, what, what is Everett's living situation pre, when he was still living? Like, how do you um, imagine his, his place and, and his he lifestyle? probably had an apartment in the city. Um, I don't think... I haven't thought of him as having a guy with a lot of hobbies outside of work. I feel like that's part of what made him like a good detective was just that he didn't have a lot of things that he was also passionate about. It's like the, the work was one of his major passions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think it might have been like a, a bachelor pad kind of apartment. Sure. Yep. That makes sense. Um, and... Um, yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, sort of a minimalist kind of. Uh, yeah, so it's a functional uh, a functional space for a human to exist, but not not a home. Mm, I think I think home home enough in that like there's maybe some pictures of like him and uh, Grim or something like that as like old buddies oh, okay. and stuff like that. Right. Like, so it's not like uh, so you're not. not like a, Oh, you're like not a serial killer kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I was that. gonna say you're not um, Jonathan Groff from Mindhunter or Raiden from MGS2, where it's like I kicked <laughs> open your door and there was nothing. Um, that's no, yeah. right. It's 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 casually lived in. Um, okay. Clearly, he doesn't spend a lot of time there, but he's he's brought memories and trophies. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, from, from work, but it's always kind of work centric. Awesome. Yeah, but it's still it's still like a. It's a warmer. It's not a cold place. It's not a cold. He's probably got place. an office in, in this place, or like the living room has been like converted into an sure. office. Sure. Okay. Thing. Awesome. So like classic PI lived in bit, space. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wicked. Uh, despite being on the force, it's still that that same sense of like this is like I go home to think. So wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so this space is seems huge. Like I'm, I'm guessing this living room is probably most of the size of your apartment. Oh. Like it's it's a big space. Uh, what you're what you're struck by though is the record player seems very very modern. Um, it's got a digital display. It's clearly one of those like weird kind of uh, post death of vinyl vinyl players where it's like we all oh, yeah. thought it was done and now cool new ones exist. Um, but the record is ancient. Like it is um, the the label is faded. It's a little bit warped. Um, obviously from sort of time and use. Um, and, uh, you, you, you heard the warble from outside, but as you look like this thing, it looks like a relic from the sixties, hmm. um, a very well-traveled thing. And you notice that even though there are a number of very, like, there's like uh, Daft Punk and like the score from a video game and a bunch of other, like very fancy modern vinyl records and a bunch of classics that were clearly reprints, um, in a line, uh, they've been undisturbed. There's actually a leather bag leaning against them. Uh, that seems to have a bunch of just like very worn kind of tattered um, vinyl sleeves in it. Mm. Uh, and as you kind of like peek in, you can see there are a number of these records and all of them have like cartoon cowboys on the front or like the classic like puffy shirt, silk, like riding on right, a horse yeah, with, yeah. A, with a guitar. Um, but this bag is is well-traveled uh, and you get the sense that it was clearly brought in and not part of the... Um, not part of the arrangement. Uh, can you roll me an investigation and... Oh, sorry. We don't have investigation in this one. Oh, so many games. Oh, no, we do. We do. Um, investigation and wits, please. I'm just going to yeah. just hand this one to you. 
This is a many well, dot check for for old. I think old I uh, I think I recall doing this last time and really <laughs> messing up. Okay, so that's one success, and let me re-roll here. Eight dice, one of them was a success. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you <laughs> vaguely recall that you're investigating your case. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I'm remember. on a case. <laughs> I'm on a case. I'm not a burglar. <laughs> yeah, you do um you do a full Elie Noir pickup and like rotate of the item. Uh and then you just put it down. <laughs> you don't gain any insight from it. Well shit. Um Is there any other evidence of um things that look out of place in this extremely modern looking home? Does anything look like it's sort of an object out of time? Uh not in the living room. Um however uh, if you're, if we're kind of doing, having, again, just played a bunch of The Witcher, Geralt always gives such good summations. Um, if you're, let's put this together, ing this, um, the fact that there's drinks out here and music on suggests that, um, he clearly brought them in and at least to some extent entertained them and wined and dined them. There was clearly some element yes. of, um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Artifice and uh, performance here. Uh, that said, it clear it seems pretty clear that not much time was spent here. So that suggests to you as an investigator two things. One, your odds of finding this other person are good. But two, you don't quite know how that other person could end up outside this being the case. Yeah. Does it... Um, it yeah. Does this place appear to have a basement or is it a... 100%. So okay. um, from where you're standing, um, there is... Uh, back at the, the sort of entry hallway, there is um, a set of stairs leading to the second floor, uh, which is where you suspect the bedrooms are. Uh, there's probably a study of some sort up there. Um, but you could see windows, just kind of those classic, beautiful little circular windows with the the sort of cross frame mm-hmm. in them. Um but uh, beyond this living room, there's a very, as I said, stainless steel, hyper-modern kitchen. Uh, and from there, you can see there are stairs. Like, as you kind of peek your head around the corner, you can see there there are stairs leading down. Okay. Um, the staircases are stacked. So, like, the one that leads up, there's a, a separate one that leads down. It's Got not it. like a pantry. It's, a, it's likely a fully furnished basement. And from your understanding of places like this that you've seen kind of going to friends' houses. Honestly, it's not outside the realm that Harvey might have lived or his brother might have had a place like this that you guys mm-hmm. went occasionally. Um, the odds of the downstairs being a fully furnished kind of like lounge and hangout space are pretty high. Okay. Um, in that case, I want to check out the basement. Okay. So um, as you make your way into the kitchen, um, you notice that... Um, there are some like light, uh, light food... And- Food, like, I was going to say food and beverage, but the beverage is already taken care of. Um, charcuterie is the wrong term, but there's some, like, appetizer type stuff that's that's been laid out um, that matches kind of what you saw in the other room. Um, all, as you see the kitchen, all very hastily put together. Um, mm. It's, uh, the best parallel for this is probably um, over-eager real estate agent. So, like, 
I took crackers and a block of cheese and I quickly cut up that cheese and then I arranged it nicely so it seems like I put a lot of effort into this, but clearly this was a, a slapdash right, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, more concerningly for you, you notice that all of the knives in the knife rack are missing. Hmm. Uh, I'll uh, draw out my, my pistol. Cool. Uh, you going with your personal gun or your service weapon? I think we'd establish the revolver is yours, the 9 mil is yeah, the... Yeah, we'll go uh, with my revolver, my personal yeah, one. Yeah, all right. Um, so can you roll me a stealth check, please? As you make your way towards the stairs. Four dice. Two successes. A little better. Yeah, all right. Um, so you begin making your way down the stairs. Um, they're carpeted, so your footsteps are actually nicely muffled. Mm-hmm. Um, as you start making your way um, down the stairs, um, you can actually hear um, the sounds of a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, and you can very clearly hear Yosemite Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you hear a loud cry of pain. Coming from the basement. Yeah. Okay. Um, I... I'm just trying to think what I know about these kinds of crimes. It, it appears that it's been perpetrated by one person and not a group of people. Um, from everything you know about this guy's MO, what he's doing would have to be one person because there's... Well, actually, there's no clear evidence that it's just one person. But the one thing that would lead you to think it probably is, is the fact that it's so easy to just disappear if you're one person. Okay. So um, I'm going to run down the stairs then. Okay, cool. Um, so you book it down the stairs, um, you find yourself in, um, a bit of a labyrinth, labyrinthine, labyrinthine, eh. I've seen it written a bunch and I know what it sounds like <laughs> in my head, but I've never had to say it out loud before. Not great. Um, a labyrinthine space because it is a fully fucking furnished basement. Mm-hmm. So there are actually hallways and rooms down here. So you run downstairs, yeah. um, you can see it's, it's not a lot of hallways, but it's kind of like. You can go south, you can go north. East and west, you can see, like, a bathroom with the door open. You can see a laundry room that's just, like, a very small kind of stacked machine deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, there's clearly a room to the south, and there's clearly a room to the north. Uh, Are there lights on in either of the two rooms that I can see? Uh, The lights are on everywhere down here. Hmm. It's fully lit. Then uh, let's just make a choice and run south. South? Okay, um, can you please roll me uh, an awareness and wits? Awareness is three, and wits is four. Ooh, two successes and one crit fail on the hunger die. Oh, that's not good because you needed three successes to win. So that is, in fact, a, say it with me now, messy failure. It's a bestial failure. Say, yeah, it's a bestial failure. We don't I'm sorry, a, I got really excited about a messy that. success. Yeah, I know. Uh, also, um, for what it's worth, uh, Miles was over the camera here as I said that and was also ready to yell it. Uh, and then, oh, then well. we, we all whiffed it. So everyone's disappointed. 
Happy Wednesday. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, Wicked. So, um, you tear forward, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately missing um, the uh, sound of the door at the top of the stairs behind you clicking closed. Hmm. Uh, you rush forward. Uh, as you hear um, someone just yell, Is that what you think we're all like? Um, and then a scream, and you boot the door open uh, to see a, just a, a massive man wearing a tremendously dumb, fake, big red mustache oh, and a giant hat um, just slash across uh, someone who's uh, tied to a chair um, who screams uh, kind of through their... Um, uh, through the handkerchief that's been tied around their, their face. Um, because you rolled a bestial failure, this is a full-on max pain. Like, you just boot the door in and, yep. and leap. Um, something I'm, I'm fascinated about with these uh, messy untold messy successy prequel episodes is um, exploring kind of what the behavior of the mortals were pre-kindred that mm. is reflected in their kindred state. So, based on what happened to you in the police station, and kind of when mm-hmm. you went bestial for the first time, I'm curious what you think mortal Everett's bestial state is. Is it Max Payne, I jump in firing? Is it, um, <laughs> I don't know, police brutality? What, what do you think that looks like? I think it's forgetting to I- identify himself as a police officer. Mm. <laughs> Which is like, for his casework, assuming he survives this, uh is terrible like he's in a lot of trouble already um and so i think booting this door open um and then just raising his weapon um without properly identifying himself is uh is likely how his Uh, jewel fantastic do you yell anything or do you open fire um let's double down and say he he doesn't yell anything he just opens fire he just shoots the guy all right, so uh, I'm going to roll for uh, Mr. Darlington, a.k.a. Mr. Sam, um, <laughs> to see if he can get out of the way of your shot. I get to roll so rarely in this game. It's always interesting. Oh, wow, that is an interesting bag of garbage. Um, <laughs> all right, so I rolled two successes, two failures, um, but I got double ones. Uh, Tyler, go ahead and roll, please. Uh a firearms that's the thing right oh boy yeah firearms and um we're gonna say uh well you're raging so uh composure still though i think it's you you might be getting too old for this shit but you still have years of training so i think it's still like angry sniper if that makes any sense <laughs> uh this is a good roll one, two, three, four successes with another critical fail on the hunger die. Another one. On all right, all right, all right. Cool. Um, so you um, open up uh, and you snap two quick shots off. Uh, your revolver roars in this small space. You're definitely mm-hmm. in like, this is clearly the like man cave lounge space. So there's like a massive wall-sized TV that's showing Looney Tune cartoons of Yosemite Sam um, they're tied, the victim is tied to a chair in the middle. Um, Sam has been dancing around them with the knife, uh, very reservoir dogs, but like if done by an idiot, 
Uh, so you rush in and just like, pow, pow, two like massive shots roar through the space. Um, you blast him square in the chest. Like these are these are kill shots. Um, and uh, you see him f- uh, stumble backward uh, and flip over the couch. Um, just as Yosemite Sam's you're like, oh, jeez, a hosa fan! Um, which you find ironic given that you just capped a man. Yeah. Um, uh, you have a brief moment uh, to consider what you just did, but here's my question. Knowing that there's someone tied up and bleeding, do you think you would actually wrestle with, like... No. No, great, okay. Not, not in this moment, no. All right, so you, you rush forward to the victim. Um, you can see he's um, just like a... Um, like a traditional Abercrombie and Finch kind of guy, like, you know, just very blonde, uh, clean a cut. Dude bro kind of? Very thing? much a dude bro. Okay. Perhaps why the damn tequilis went down so fast <laughs> upstairs. Um, but yeah, dude bro who's clearly on like a I'm seeing America tour. Um, and his eyes are wide and, you know, he's, he's impeccably um, shaped abs and, and chest are like just a mess of, of cuts. Um, what's weird though, is even as you're, you're rushing up to untie him, these don't look like the kind of wounds, um, that have killed the other people. Like they, to drain someone of all of their blood like this would take forever, forever. Hmm. Um, but you rush up, um, and, uh, you start like, um, untying him. He's clearly kind of drunk, um, and possibly drugged. So this, it's pretty, he's not tied you know, it's not like a master, like, I can't, I must stop this. Like, James Bond can't escape. It's like, I've got a drunk dude, bro. <laughs> He's right. not going anywhere. He had four crackers and a full bottle of tequila. <laughs> um, so um, you manage to, uh, you start untying his bonds um, when you hear a hiss behind you. Um, and as you turn, uh, you see the stash, uh, the mustache now falling away, Um staggering to his feet and even though he's got bloody wounds on his chest from again a revolver with enough kick to probably drop a regular some bitch yeah. this particular some bitch um is standing back up and uh to kind of your horror he bears fangs at you and there is a part of your brain that i mean you, you can tell me whether it sounds it or not i think you you the idea of vampires definitely crossed your mind. Here's my question to you that I think is a pretty interesting one. Had Everett observed enough evidence at this point that he was actually starting to believe that vampires might be a thing? Or did he think this was a unique serial killer pathology? This is one of those questions that really has no of... bearing on the greater arc of the series, but yeah. I'm fascinated. I think because of the way we outline his backstory of him, like figuring it out Mm -hmm. by trying to solve these murders i think yes the theory was first of all like just dismissed outright as like foolishness and then with each case that he was kind of observing it kept coming back and coming Mm -hmm. back and coming back and now it's like seeing the fangs here it's like damn it was vampires Great. All right. That's where I was hoping you were going to go. I just didn't want to put yeah. it in your mouth. Um, <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, the fangs hit. And unlike, um, you know, scared pedestrians in the background of a Buffy scene, you're one of the Buffy adjacent people who's like, fucking, of course it is. <laughs> it's um, 
uh, the dude at the end of uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead who's just like, fucking of course. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he bears his fangs. What do you do? Uh, I'm going to uh, try and shoot him in the head. All right, go ahead and roll them bones. And that's, we're doing firearms and composure still? Uh, yeah, because you're, uh, because you aren't actually surprised by the teeth, you can go ahead and have your composure. If you okay. were, might have been wits, because it's just like, oh God. But if you're like, fucking of course. That's only one success and a critical fail on a, another die. Great. So you pull your pistol up. Um, he begins to like, um, just like in faster than you would think possible, leap, like just f- like hands crunch through the back of the couch, leaps up into the air, is coming down on you. Um, you pull up uh, your revolver, aim it squarely at, uh, at this monster. Um, and then all of a sudden you're hit in the back of the head with a blunt object so hard. Um, and you black out. Um, for a moment, as as your brain kind of desperately tries to uh, descramble itself, um, you are convinced that uh, either you're dead or that maybe your brain just skipped a frame and this thing mm-hmm. got you. And I think based on... And honestly, I think it was when Harvey retired was probably around the time you decided that if this case killed you, but you were able to solve it, that would be a worthwhile trade. Um, So this isn't like a, this isn't an unexpected um, result, Uh, but you're a little bit salty that you didn't solve the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Or that I did and I died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's It's a real bummer to, you know, It'd be like um, you get the the classic parlor room Poirot reveal, but then like you're like, <laughs> really, you see, I first understood, and then someone just caps you, and you're like, oh yeah. fuck, I was nah, right, should just call the cops. <laughs> um, so um, you think for a moment that you're gone and that you're done and that that's it, um, and then you you start to. Um, thrash a bit and you you feel confined um and you suddenly realize that anything that's this uncomfortable couldn't possibly be death uh and you realize as you start to get feeling back in your arms and legs that um you're actually tied up um but like from sort of like your your legs are bound your arms are bound you're in complete darkness um and even though you, you can squirm a bit, you can feel the pull of fabric. Um, and um, for some reason, you have the taste of dirt in your mouth. Um, and when you try and open your eyes, um, immediately you just have to, like, blink grit out of them. Um, you feel odd, but you're not sure why. I'm sorry, what are my immediate surroundings? Uh, you're in complete darkness. And every time you move, you can feel kind of the, think like, uh, I mean, you can feel resistance every time Mm -hmm. you move, but like your arms and legs are bound tightly to your body. You're laying straight out. So you're, you're laying down on the ground. Mm -hmm. Your arms and legs are bound, uh, as seems to be your, your, like you can feel your arms bound to your chest. Um, 
there's complete darkness. You can taste dirt. You can't open your eyes. And every time you move, you can feel the resistance of cords and fabric. I thought for a second I was being buried alive, but it sounds like I've been tied to something. If, um, or just tied up on the ground. Well, yeah, you can feel that you're, you're, you're on the ground tied up. Um, I think the closest, uh, parallel you would have as an actual sort of human experience would be like you were in a super, super tight, um, sleeping bag. Like it's that kind of sensation where you're just like, you can still move a bit, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're restrained. You're not tied to anything. Like if you shuffle back and forth, Mm-hmm. There, there is room on either side of you. There's the you don't seem to be restrained to anything. Uh, you're just tied up like a bundle of sticks. Right, and I can't see anything because there's like dirt and grit in my yeah, eyes. Yeah, every time you open your eyes, they're just it's dirt town, USA oh, population. God, your awful. eyes, oh, it's very unpleasant. Yeah, so I can't really move. I can roll, but I can't see where I'm going. Um, what do I hear? Um, you hear. Um, a little bit like if you were to wear noise canceling headphones or just cup cup your ears. You oh, can hear man. So I've just been completely denied. Well, like you can any... hear I will say you can hear deafened sounds. But okay. it's in that but weird hollow way like... where if you if you have something co- kind of covering your ears, um you can hear sound but it's it's very muffled. Um and and can I speak? Uh, if you open your mouth you get dirt. But uh, if you want to try and fight your way out of this, uh, you've got dexterity, you've got strength. Um, oh, the same for me. Um, this is probably... Let's do strength. All right. Uh, I'm going to say this is likely an athletics check. Or if you want to try and settle into... If you want to, like, <laughs> use your Witcher senses or your detective vision, uh, or I guess Lara Croft's survival vision... Um, you can also try and just call, like, settle down, roll a check to see if you can figure out more about your circumstance, or you can try and fight your way out. It, it's up to you. I, I think if I can't see, can't hear, um, I'm going to try and break out of my bonds yep. so that I can reach up to my face. Entirely fair. So this is a strength check with a... Athletics. Yes. Um... One regular success, and then uh, a messy successy, because I've got a crit success and then a crit success on the hunger die as well. Oh, Tyler! You know you got us that dope <sighs> picture of the entire Dum Dums band for for Christmas as a gift, but you've given me no greater <laughs> gift than that messy successy. <laughs> Fuck! All right, great, thank you. So you you burst out of these uh, with a strength you didn't know you had given how constrained you are Mm. um and as you burst out of your restraints uh, you can just it it sounds like um uh uh, the sound of like almost a tarp tearing um and as you break out of them um the the sort of dirt and and soil um falls away from you and you can see that you were literally wrapped in a tarp and for some reason you were packed in with dirt and as you sit up sputtering um, you look around and you realize you're still in the, this basement, um, but it's been um, fully Dexter kill roomed. Everything oh. has been lined in plastic. Um, and as you you look around, to your shock, uh, you can see that hooks have been drilled into the ceiling. 
And Jesus. hanging from those hooks are the tourist, douche bro tourist, and Yosemite Sam. Oh, he's up there too. Um, both of them are hanging kind of from their hands uh, in classic like mobsters in a off a meat hook kind of kind of way. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and both of them are seem dopey but aware. Okay. Um, and as you come to, uh, you actually see. Um, there's a, you, you can hear, um, a woman, a woman laughing, um, kind of over your shoulder. Um, and as you turn, you, you can see just like a, a perfectly pulled, like very tight bun. Um, and, uh, the silhouette, uh, sort of like, uh, gray hair, um, a perfectly cut, at least from the back suit, um, and a curl of cigarette smoke. Um, and you hear a, a throaty voice um, just laugh and say, <laughs> Oh, Bugs, you truly are the world's biggest cunt. Um, and then uh, a deep pull on um, what you're now suspecting, based on how much smoke is coming out, might be a cigar. Um, and then just a, a large puff of, of smoke. Um and then kind of as you struggle up, what do you say? Um, I think now, <laughs> for whatever reason, I'm like, police, <laughs> don't move. Um, the uh, You don't have a gun, but yes. Um, finger gun. Yeah, finger gun. <laughs> the woman, uh, also for the record, that messy successy is still hanging. That's a hold moving forward. I, that- I figured because that wasn't bad enough. Good. <laughs> Glad we're oh, on the you same get page up here. And the story moves forward. So um yeah, there's no consequence. You're fine. Everyone <laughs> lived happily ever after. You solved the case, you retired. The rest of the show was yeah, a dream. The success the, the messy part was that I created a time paradox. Yeah, yeah. The uh the rest of blood and syrup is just you staring into a snow globe. Um <laughs> just Saint else wearing it. Um mm-hmm. so uh she she kind of um uh turns over over her shoulder. Um, and you see just like a, a full on like Maggie Smith type uh, with a cigar just clenched uh, in in her um, in her teeth. Um, and you can tell that uh, she's wearing makeup, but it seems oddly off. Um, the colors don't quite match her pallid, pallid skin tone. Um, and I think given kind of your you're now now that you're thinking in. Now you're thinking with vampire. Um, it looks almost to you like someone who is doing something out of habit, not out of necessity. Um, okay. So it would match a living person's skin tone. It doesn't match hers. She hasn't updated her palette for her new <laughs> No, not at all. Um, and she turns and she says, Ah, Everett, darling. So glad you've awoken and decided to join us. I'm sorry, this must all be very confusing for you. Uh, one moment, let me pause the Looney Tunes. <laughs> oh, they truly are classics. Um, she puts the cigar between her, her lips and just like holds up her remote and clicks it off. Um, and then stands and you can see she's wearing like a, almost um, like a classic, um, oh, Jesus, what is the name I'm looking for here? It's an MLM where they give you Cadillacs. Um, it's not Mary Kay, but it's in that ballpark. Just like a pink, 
like a classy ass pink like jacket over pencil mm. skirt. Um, yeah. Anyway, get at me, MLM internet. Um, but uh, she stands up and kind of through that kind of classic creepy glow of the smoke of the projector, uh, you first lay eyes on Ellen Fugues. Ellen Fugues. Um, and uh, she says, uh, well, first and foremost, darling, I think I should warn you about something. You're probably not police anymore. And then she runs a thumb across her lip and you realize it's not makeup, but blood. Um, and your your hand naturally finds its way to your neck. Yep. And uh, there's no blood there anymore, but you can't find a pulse. Oh. Um, my guns are gone. Uh, like my, my second piece yes, is also yeah. gone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so is your uh, coat. You're not like in a detective oh, coat okay. in a bag. Okay. Uh, but you're still wearing your clothes otherwise. You okay. also notice that you, you aren't wounded in any way. There's no like, when he jumped over with like clawed fingers, you were kind of expecting if you woke up, you'd be shredded. Yeah. Um, but there, there are no wounds on you other than you being kind of covered in dirt. Um, I'm going to do two things kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I want to look around the room, look for A, a weapon, uh, B, an exit. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I want to talk to Ellen. I, like, I don't know that her yeah, name is yeah. Ellen. I basically just want to distract her with talking while I kind of try and figure out my situation. Cool. Um, so I'll say, um, so what happens now, Miss Fugues? Ellen Fugues, darling. Uh-huh. And why is it that I'm not a police officer anymore? And how do you know my name? Everett, darling, I've been keeping an eye on you for, for some time. You see, uh, you're actually quite good at detecting. A master of detecting. You found us Thank out. You. you that's, uh, that is something that we desperately try not to let people like you figure out. But you caught us. You caught the vampires. You solved the case. Bravo. I still, like, kind of can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, she looks at you. She's like, I know. And like she I... takes the cigar out. She's like, we've taken to calling ourselves kindred over the years as though that would help. But truly, it is ridiculous, isn't it? Vampires. So. <clears throat> so what happens now? Looks like you were fixing to kill me. Oh, quite the opposite, darling. I mean, I, I did, but you're fine now. You got better. Um, and uh, as you go to reach for a weapon, like, you, you, you see, like, various, like, tchotchkes like and stuff. A hook that hadn't been put up on the wall yet or something? Uh, or? Well, I was going to say more like a heavy glass, like, you know, those, like, long, weird, like, almost canoe-shaped, like, <laughs> glass things that just exist to put other things on. It's like yeah, one okay, of those. Yeah. It's green and okay. purple and kind of kooky, and there's bubbles sure. in it because it's unique. Um, you go to grab that. It looks like it could be a decent cudgel, at least. Um, mm-hmm. But as you step forward, your your vision blurs, and you can't quite focus, and you're just so fucking hungry oh, um, and exhausted. And it's just it, – it hits you in a wave, and it's unlike anything you've ever experienced. Um, so she says, uh, listen, um, Detective Fry, uh, Everett, we should be on a first name basis after all. Um, we 
noticed that you'd picked up our trail, and I was hopeful that you would just, you know, fuck off and die. But instead, um, you discovered a rogue element of ours, and she gestures kind of very grandly to um, uh, the stash. Um, and uh, she says, and it would seem that you, you put together a lot of pieces. And here's the thing, darling, that's actually quite useful to us. So we dispensed with your mortal bullshit and made you something a little bit more useful to us. Uh, so what happens next is I need to see if you're what I think you are. So, Everett. And uh, she walks past you, and again, you're just trying to grab that fucking weird, lovingly glass handcrafted club. glass club. Yeah. Um, she walks over, and she puts a hand on each of the swinging people's backs. Uh, and she just says, um, You can be the most useful pawn in a tremendously powerful game of chess. And honestly, I think you'll get what you want from it. Or we can rebag you and put you in the ground. I think it's a pretty easy decision. But unfortunately, this is less up to your brain and more up to your state. Uh, so a lot hangs on this next question, Everett Fry. But which of these two meals do you choose? So this is all very fucked up to your brain. Yeah, this is a lot to but take your, in. But your mouth is throbbing, and you still feel a little dazed and a little out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not fully within your senses. Um, your vision is kind of constantly blurring and coming back in. Um, and you look at the two people who are hanging there. One, uh, the person you came to save, an mm -hmm. innocent victim um, who clearly got in over their head but seemingly has done absolutely nothing wrong. And a serial killer that you know is responsible for multiple deaths seemingly has a weird hang-up about Texas that you, as a Texan, kind of find offensive. Like, you get why he's mad, but also maybe go fuck yourself. <laughs> and you, sir, rolled a messy successy. So I don't think we, we need to belabor this. Your vision drifts in and out, and you know it's wrong, and you, it feels impossible. But almost like you're observing yourself, you stagger forward, bare your new fangs, and rip into the stash. What is your final thought before your teeth make contact? Just, oh God, oh God, this is actually happening. <laughs> uh, and then you taste vampiric blood for the first time and oh the blood of kindred that goes <laughs> down real smooth yep yeah um and ellen just smiles and nods and she says ah very good good boy drink deep uh and you don't remember much else of what happened that mm. night more importantly when you open your eyes again, your eyes roll up into your head, um, you have dreams of, of ecstasy, of absolute, perfect, pure joy. Um, but when you wake up, the last thing you remember is getting clocked at the back of the head. 
There's nothing there. Oh. All you remember is uh, getting hit. You remember, you can hear Ellen's words echoing in your head. You have no memory of drinking the stash. You have no memory of making a choice. You have no memory. You just, you're aware of the information she gave you, but everything else is a blur. Hmm. Uh, you wake up in a ditch. Um, in a loosely wrapped version of your previous kind of pseudo sarcophagus, mm-hmm. uh, you find yourself in your coat. Uh, your guns have been returned to you. Um, and you find uh, a note pinned to your your sort of like your shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a phone number on it that says. Uh, so it, it, the, there's a phone number under which it says, uh, only call the call center in case of emergency. And then below it, it says, they're coming for you now. You'll be safe in Montreal. Okay. Um, as you kind of struggle out of your, your, your weird shitty pseudo coffin, uh, and sit up in the ditch, um, you hear the sounds of something moving rapidly through the woods. Can you please roll me a, uh, let's say a wits and awareness check, please. That is, (laughs) what is going on? Uh, that's two crit fails and no uh, yeah two crit fails and one success on the hunger die sorry oh, bud just noises um, out there yeah so you you struggle to your feet you hear noises but you're you're not quite sure what they are you see that you're uh, in a ditch alongside a road um, you're ways out of town and you can think just down the, the street if you squint improbably you see your car um, and you realize that this is, it's near the ranch, but this definitely isn't where you parked it. Someone has moved yeah. it here. Um, that said, it's a bit of a ways away. Um, I'm going to start walking towards my car. Uh, as you I do think. so, uh, suddenly um, you feel, because you rolled very badly, um, <laughs> a weight hit your back. Um, and you're forced to the ground um, by uh, like a, a thin, kind of like almost goth rocker type guy um, who just looks looks down at you, like tr- sort of forces you face first into the, the ground. You hit the gravel um, and uh, he sniffs up your neck and into your hair and he's just like, oh yeah, you're going to make me real powerful. Um, and he goes to sink his teeth into your neck. What do you do? Um, I'm lying face down. Yeah, he's jumped onto your back and forced you down. Okay. He is much um, smaller than you, I should say. He's like a right. teenager. I'm just going to roll over and swing an elbow up at his jaw. All right, go ahead and roll me a melee and strength, please. So strength is two, and melee is none. So here we go. Two successes. All right, fantastic. You crack I mean, him in the I jaw. Roll the better. Um, he rolls. He flies off of you. Um, again, you 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 threw an elbow as strong as you know how to do it, but it seemed to be 
slightly more powerful, and he like sort of skitters off into the ditch. Um, and then as you turn, you actually see shapes starting to emerge from the darkness, um, and all of them are rushing towards you. You see um, a woman seems to just be like uh, you know a standard businesswoman, just wearing like regular like jeans and a blazer comes mm. like leaps over him uh and you think you hear her yell useless half-blood um and she starts rushing towards you her eyes red and you can see she's muttering something to herself uh i'm gonna get up and try and outrun her to the car cool. i'm, gonna, I'm Go just ahead trying and, to get to uh, the car. roll me dexterity and athletics please and i'll roll uh, for her dex two athletics two Three successes. Amazing. All right. Uh, she only got two. So you... Uh, oh, wait. Those are those are failures. She got none. Um, oh. So uh, as she jumps over, the teenager actually grabs her, her ankle, and she just mm-hmm. full-on face plants into the ground. Um, <laughs> but you can, you can see just a mob of people rushing towards you. Um, gunshots start ringing out, um, and uh, you book it. Um, up to your car. Um, you sort of throw open the door, get behind the wheel. You see a note tucked against the wheel that just says, uh, drive or die. Um, and the keys are, are in the ignition. I turn the ignition over and and floor it. Great. Um, so the car <clears throat> roars to life. Uh, it's a pretty beaten up old vehicle, but happily yep. it's it's sound. Um, and as you kind of tear, you can feel the gravel kind of shoot out from under the tires. But soon enough, uh, you're underway. And behind the behind you, you can see kind of a mob of people chasing you. You can see a couple of like headlights start up. A motorcycle starts up. Uh, and you just start hauling ass north. Um, as you drive, um, a phone starts ringing that isn't yours in your breast pocket. I'll, uh, I'll reach for it and, and um, I will like... Answer the call, but I won't speak. Okay. I'll just answer. Yeah. Um, so you hear Ellen on the other end, um, and uh, she's like, here's the deal, darling. You get exactly one battery charge off this, and then this line will never work again. I have some things to tell you, and it would behoove you to listen as best you can. What is happening to you right now, if you made it, past the creatures and based on the fact that someone answered the phone my guess is that you did you are being blood hunted you won't understand this but there are rules that I will explain over the next few hours that creatures like us must abide by you are a vampire you are kindred like us now whether you like it or not but I've got some tremendously good news for you Everett Fry I want you to hunt vampires. No more following cases, no more blind leads, no more incredibly beautiful, intelligent, and capable women such as myself covering up the necessary next step in your case. You are free to hunt the things you've always sought to hunt, as long as you follow our rules. You will hunger only... Is there, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, as she's saying this, I will... Um... As she's like explaining this to me and like kind of like reframing my new like mm-hmm. world, um, I will 
run like a vampire motorcyclist like off the road. Sure, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is like full on like Mad yeah. Max to the border. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you crash a motorcycle, you see the person like careen off into the um, <laughs> into the darkness. That's great. Um, <laughs> so she's like, you will not hunger for the flesh of mortals. You will hunger for the flesh of your fellow kindred, which I must admit is is a big no-no. Uh, in our culture, there's a thing known as the masquerade that you must follow. I will explain those rules shortly. What you need to know in the short term is this. You are of Clan Ventru. All other blood will taste of ash in your mouth, but the blood of vampires will taste delicious. This is the greatest sin a vampire can commit, but after all, you're not really a vampire, are you, Everett? You're Detective Everett Fry, Hunter of Darkness. So just... Think of it as doing your mortal kin a favor. That mm. said, our other companions don't look so kindly on it, hence why you're being hunted now. You will never return to Texas, and you will be a pariah. Except so you, in the north. You turn me into a... I can't believe I'm saying this. A vampire. Uh, you can say kindred instead if it makes you feel better, darling. Honestly, That's it doesn't. somehow worse. I agree. You turn me. You feed me a vampire. And what, now I'm just on the run because of it? Did you tell them? Oh, uh, don't worry, darling. You, you've you never fed on vampiric flesh. You're fine. And your brain kind of like, your, your vision blurs a bit. And you're having a real hard time. You feel like you did, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you just imagined that. That might not have happened. Right, okay. That's right. Sorry, um, you did tell me that it's I... It's all good. Uh, I remember it, that. It's, uh, you were drugged, as we will determine soon. Uh, yeah. At the time. Um, but yes, she uh, says, uh, yes, look, uh, Everett, you were like a, a hound with a scent. You were tracking us down and interfering with our operations at every turn. I had two options. I could kill you or I could let you keep doing it. Just do it for me. And I must say, as someone who has spent a long time living, well, living relatively, has had a lot of tremendously dissatisfying sexual encounters. I gotta tell you. <laughs> doing it for yourself is always better. So, do it for yourself, Everett. Go hunt the vampires you were hunting anyway. I knew you wouldn't stop, and now you can't. So do it for me. And do it for you. And what are you getting out of this, me? Hunting and killing other vampires? Ever, darling, I'm not asking you to kill every vampire, just the ones who are a bit of a problem. We're sending you to uh, a place in Canada, of all places, known as Montreal. It's a very English-French city. You may have heard of... Poutine? Some such? Anyway, it's a national dish. It's French fries and garbage, as I understand it. But then again, I haven't eaten in 200 years, so who am I to talk? Anyway, you will be safe there, but also our interests, uh, the interests of the organization I represent, the Camarilla, are desperately underserved there. There are a lot of, lot of criminals there, Everett, that I need sorted, and you can sort them for me. That's what you do, right? That's what I did. I don't know what I'd do anymore. I'm telling you, as your sire, that's what you do. Sire? Yes, I made you. You kind of belong to me now. Sorry, darling, it's a bit of a bum rap, but trust me, there are much worse assholes out there than me. 
How literal is that sire to sired um, uh, connection? Do I feel compelled to obey her? Uh, to some extent, it's more of a... Like, there is definitely a compulsion there because her... Okay. Essentially, if we're thinking this in viral infection terms, her virus is what infected you. So there okay. is some compulsion there. It's not, um, it's not a full-on, like, do this and you must obey. But right. there is, like, a genetic compulsion. That said, okay. um, in the Masquerade universe, uh, the World of Darkness universe, it's a lot of it is imposed by the, the Camarilla. This is actually one of the reasons why the Anarchs are anti-Camarilla, because it's like, theoretically, and uh, like Everett still I don't think knows this in-game, but the idea mm -hmm. is if you're following the rules of the Camarilla, you need to get permission from the prince of whatever place you are to make a new vampire. Like, making I new see. kindred is not, like, a cool willy-nilly, we can just do this. It's like, no, this is, like, it's like a job. It's like working for Google. Like, we're going to ask right, you a bunch okay. of dumb questions and make you do a bunch of dumb shit, which is part <laughs> of the reason why the Sabbat and the Anarchs are such a pain in the ass for the, the masquerade and why, the like, the children of Batista are such a, of, um, yeah, Batista are such a problem because they're just unauthorized vampires running around doing shit. So right. by siring you, she, A, must have got permission from someone, and B, is now like legally responsible for everything you do. I see. So if you go on a killing spree and break the masquerade, it falls back on her. Like you'll get killed, okay. but then she has to pay for it. So um, it's not a full on mental compulsion, but it, it, there is, you can it's certainly a social, you can, but also like a little is... bit because it is her genus. That's kind of like okay. you're, you're of her, her dynasty. Now there's a, okay. a bit of a, a compulsion to follow it. Also, I think based on the amount of heat that's, that's chasing you out of town, there's not a lot of options. Like, if these people... No, definitely not. If these people carry on, you're you're done. You can hold them off yeah. for a bit. Um, but, uh, needless to say, when you do cross the border, they all turn back. Uh, and that's the border out of Texas. That's not, like, out of right. the U.S., just out of Texas. Um, and you begin a very long drive north... Uh, and along the way, you're informed of some unfortunate truths, that you are kindred, that sunlight will cause a, a painful allergic reaction, that you work for the Camarilla, that there's such a thing as the Masquerade. But if you'll remember, when we started this game, uh, Everett didn't know a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, partially because, like, Tyler as player didn't know a lot of this. I don't know this. She's yeah. info dumping on you, and you're watching every so often the battery on your phone run low. And you know that right. when that battery is done, that will be the end of your like connection connection to... for now. Like you still have this number mm -hmm. you can call, but like that's as much information as she can give you. So you take a lot of it in, but you're also like dealing with a lot of things. And I think you probably stubbornly I, try. I woke and... up in a ditch this evening <laughs> after a full day of serial hunt, uh, like serial yeah. killer hunting. You also can't quite remember what happened. You feel like the stash has been dealt with, but you don't quite remember. Mm. Um, I think on the first day you attempt to drive during the day and the the pain is too intense and that's the the first time you kind of pull over and, and hide kind of under your coat for the night and after that you pick right. up a bunch of newspapers and begin your your habitual like papering over of your, your car mm -hmm. um, it isn't until the third day that um, you're searching for something in your glove box uh to find a bloody mustache. Um, and on the fifth day is when you find 
It's in my glove box. That's nasty, Ellen. That's yeah. fucking nasty. <laughs> uh, on the fifth day, you find a worn leather case in your trunk as you go for your spare tire uh, full of vinyl records. Um, but you still can't quite remember other than you feel like business is finished somehow. That somehow it's complete. Um, and then finally, after a few days, uh, you reach the border to Canada. Do you think Everett's ever been to Canada? Um, maybe, maybe to Niagara Falls, but not really visiting the the great nation of Canada. So a lot has changed for you very quickly. The good news is, you know, Harvey is in Montreal. You remember that he moved up there and you have a sinking suspicion that that's part of the reason you're being sent there. Unfortunately, if Ellen knows to send you there because he's there, it also means she knows he's there. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of uh, vaguely veiled threats in, in a lot of what she was saying. Um, but as you reach the border, you realize that this this is really, in some ways, the, the true delineation between your past life and your future life. Um, as you're stuck in the horrible, horrible traffic that all border crossings uh, consist of, you consider your, your apartment, you consider um, all the work you left undone there, which weirdly you, you managed to solve. I think You've... one thing I would like to do maybe before hitting the border mm. is to uh, mail this bloody mustache and um, this brown leather uh, mm. bag of, of records uh, to my police station. With like an anonymous note, mm. kind of being like, at least like I can solve the case, kind of posthumously. Yeah. If this yeah. is the end of my my life as a mortal detective. Um. So, so yeah, yeah. So you stop at like one of those weird stations that always seems to exist just before border crossings. That's like, get rid of your illegal shit here. Mail it home. <laughs> um. And uh, you you mail that back. Um. As yeah. you do, you can see on a a TV screen playing in in kind of like one of the big waiting rooms outside the duty-free, um, a blonde uh, douche bro kind of guy who's just like, yeah, I, I don't remember what happened, but I got to tell you, I don't make assumptions about people from Texas. That can be very bad. I just, I wish, I wish Jeremy was here too. But... You know, a hero saved us. So, I don't know who it was. And I know this sounds crazy, but, like, that crazy guy, he was going to kill us. And I, I, don't, I don't know how I escaped, but, like, wherever you are, you're, you're a good person. Thank you. Also, go Michigan State! Um, <laughs> and then uh, the camera cuts to something else. But uh, as you, you mail mail this this stuff back, you you feel a real sense of um, of satisfaction having closed, at least saved saved who you intended to save and having to some extent closed the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, Ellen has given you a life that isn't outside the realm of what you wanted. Um but it occurs to you, you have absolutely no idea how you eat. Yeah. And with that, you kind of get back in the car and continue your your border crossing. Uh, on your way to um, a contact somewhere in Montreal. 
Meanwhile, um, back at your local police station, um, the desk sergeant opens a package with a bloodied mustache and a note on the records um, and uh, sort of calls the chief over. And sure enough, uh, in checking the MO of uh, the stash killer, um, there did seem to be um, details of single perpetrator. Clearly this happened, although usually... Both victims were found drained of blood, and the one thing that doesn't make sense from the crime scene is that there was a different body elsewhere. Um, if Everett were to look back at the case now uh, with all the details in hand, he would probably realize that uh, Ellen had killed the other tourist and stashed their body in order to set up her own game. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the, the cops uh, back home, it's well enough to know that the case has been solved, and when three days later, far behind the ranch, uh, they find um, a a sort of gloopy pile of of human remains. Um, they fear that something much worse than the stash found him and did something awful to him. Hmm. But no one sheds a tear for him because, after all, just another serial killer off the streets. Ellen Fugues, meanwhile, uh, is on a very important phone call. Uh, And uh, she is smoking a cigar. Um, There's a... uh, There are two chained humans uh, at her feet uh, that she's frequently having to draw on in order to keep rousing the blood enough to actually be able to smoke the cigar without vomiting. But it's a habit she enjoys, so it's a price she's willing for them to pay. Um, and, uh, she says, uh, oh, yes, darling, yes, it, it worked, uh, tremendously well. He has no memory of it, but it's good. He did turn out to be, uh, a diabolist after all. And honestly, it made him more powerful than, than I'd intended. He would have been one of those terrible caitiffs otherwise, just able to walk in the sun, but completely useless. So, yes, he, uh, he believes himself to be Ventru, and I think we'll, we'll let him, um, continue to have that but he should serve our purposes quite well in in montreal um and then she frowns and she says yes no the the drac worked perfectly darling it drives them into a frenzy they're quite susceptible it will be very easy to control anyone who is is dosed heavily enough with it as i said he drained a vampire dry and has no memory of it it's it's delightful um and then she nods and her face falls and she says well wait if if he's dead, then who who is Everett going to speak to? If there's no Camarilla left in Quebec, then what? Yes, sir, I trust you. Well, okay. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> she hangs up, takes a puff, and says, Well... This is simply beyond me, but I must determine how the bunny of Seville ends. Um, And then taking a big drag off uh, the chained mortal at her feet, Ellen Fugues puts her feet up on the other one, presses play, and enjoys learning (laughs) more about opera. (laughs) As Everett Fry drives deep into the woods to go and meet his destiny. 
This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, and Megan Miles at Maggie Miles on Twitter, featuring storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited by Tom McGee, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's art is by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M R K R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel, and all our ads use tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dumb Dumbs and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. You can also get merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice and you can join our Patreon of Darkness. Patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the night. Ah, 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 ah. Spooky. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, DM Rob, Christopher Little, Joshua White, Olin Anderson, Sue One, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.